0: Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Monday, December 27th, 2021. I am John Podhoretz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. We're going to do something a little different this week. Uh, We're not talking about the news. We're going to talk about uh, matters of culture, matters of uh, intellect and intellection, give you some of the benefit of our wisdom on... Uh, Books, movies, television shows, and other products that we enjoyed or hated or studied or considered uh, in the year 2021 to give you some guidance on how you might want to spend your holiday week uh, if that is uh, something that you, you need from us. Uh, and we're also doing this in, 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 in part because I didn't want to go dark this week because I wanted to come and snore. I wanted to handle you. I wanted to ask you if you would please, please donate to Commentary Magazine, Commentary.org, the Commentary Podcast. Uh, this is the end of the year. This is when people do their charitable giving. Commentary is a 501c nonprofit. Uh, we rely on our listeners and our readers to help us close our deficit and make us whole. Uh, every year, um, we've been in business for 76 years. Uh, we have a wonderful community of givers, of readers, of listeners, and uh, it would be our honor if you would join their number uh, as a charitable contributor. So please go to www.commentary.org donate to do so. You will have our undying gratitude, and you will have this podcast to listen to every day next year, if we can continue to do it with the refunds, with the refunds, with the resources and funds that we have. Okay, so 2021, um, we thought we would start by talking about books that made an impact on us in 2021, not books of 2021, of which um, I read many and uh, gotta admit that I can't say that I profited from much of what I read this year in its uh, you know in the calendar year, but uh, read many things this year that were a profit that didn't come out this year. So I thought maybe we would start Christine. Why don't you start and tell us what what you read this year that made a particular impression on you?
1: Sure, I, uh, I'm going to be obnoxious and I can't pick just one. I'll save the, the, the big one for last, but I will say I, I just finished and really enjoyed John Le Carre's last novel Silverview. last of his spy novels, uh, finished up just before he died last year, Uh, as all of his novels are, you know, tightly plotted and paced and just wonderful, a little bit of a sort of sad quality to his take on on intelligence gathering, but just a wonderful, wonderful read. I highly recommend Silverview. Um, I also read a weird Japanese uh, book that came out a few years ago by Yoko Tawada called The Emissary, which seems like it would be dystopian, but it's actually really about mortality. Um, and I won't give away the plot, but I also recommend that one again, short read, but, but quite powerful, but I really loved, and this is unusual for me because I usually read fiction in my free time because I have to read a lot of nonfiction for work. Um, and I of course had to hate read the new 1619 project book, which is terrible, but as a, as a wonderful uh, palate cleansing antidote to all of that, um, John McWhorter's book, Woke Racism is excellent. It's, a pol- it's written in a kind of sharp polemical style. It's written by a man of the old fashioned liberal left who happens to also be African-American. He comes at these questions in a, in a very different way than a lot of conservatives do. And it was extremely useful for me as a conservative to read his point of view. I don't agree with him on everything. But he takes on just in in, uh, wonderful, uh, sharp strokes, uh, all of the problems with the kind of woke moment that we find ourselves in. I found it clarifying. I would love to quote some of my favorite passages from it, but I've already passed the book along to a neighbor with whom I've been arguing about (laughs) anti-racism books for the last year and a half. So I highly recommended it again. It's a quick read, but it's it's just as a polemic. It's it's excellent. Highly recommend that. So that that was kind of my favorite, which is, again, weird. Like, I love fiction, but but that one really stuck with me.
2: Abe, you reviewed woke racism for commentary. Yeah, I, I share Christine's enthusiasm, and I'm glad to hear that you that she passed it on <clears throat> to someone that you've been arguing with so presumably it's someone who's uh somewhere in the liberal spectrum which is as McWhorter states at the start of the book the purpose of the book he's he's not aiming it at us and he's not aiming it at the woke either he's this is a book directed at liberals who are uneasy with what they see going on in the woke left and that's why i think it's so important and uh very it, it was very exciting to read that um it's 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 very necessary book in that sense yeah very powerful
0: John McWhorter is, of course, one of these figures, um, uh, not not really a man of the left, sort of a liberal with um, uh, highbrow cultural leanings. He's a philologist, a linguist, um, and uh, is sort of dragged into politics in funny ways. It seems to be against his will simply because um, he is uh, unable to escape the requirement uh, brought upon him by the by the the facts of his birth to opine on matters of race. And he uh, does so uh, in a very uh, original, unique style um, uh, that is, again, far more cultural than it is political. This is also true of Thomas Chatterton Williams, somebody who with whom he shares a lot in common, I would say, is that they, they're, they're highbrows, and they are offended or deeply offended by the idea that the culture of the West is not their culture somehow, or that it does not belong to them, that its glories don't, that its complications don't, that they that they should not be playing a role in the furtherance of Western culture and the glories of Western culture. And so they are standing athwart progressive history saying no, basically, and it's an interesting aspect of our intellectual life now I mean they're in a different place from people you know who are these kind of um intellectual dark web people you know the people who are sort of like on the left who got canceled or you know basically couldn't take the Stalinism on campus or stuff like that this is a has a different quality to it it's much more um about the idea that that uh, that we are all that there was an effort to deny us our birthright as people of the West and to say that that birthright is stained and terrible on the one hand, or not reachable if you don't come from a very narrow band of Northern European white people. And that is not who uh, I think any of us is here, by the, by the way, any of us four, um, and not who, who, who he is or who Thomas Chatter-Williams is. And, and so it, it has a very uh, interesting oh.
2: quality. One of the things he says in the book, um, I don't even think I brought it up in my review, but it, to this point, is that he resents the woke approach to race in America so much in part because it asks African-Americans to define themselves solely in terms of what some racist white people might think of them. Uh, that 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 <clears throat> it asks blacks, Black people to... Build to, to construct their entire identity in response to that. And that in, in, in concord with what you're saying, John, um, is you know, preposterously limiting to someone who wants to enjoy and, and partake of the glories.
3: Risky of, though it may be, I do, I do take some issue with <clears throat> Mr. McWhorter's thesis uh, only in so far as he very literally treats wokeism as a religion. Um, And it does mimic a secular faith in many ways, um, but it takes a derisive uh, view of religiosity and uh, applies it in a way that I think limits the utility of his thesis insofar as, and I, I say this in my manuscript, that while it does mimic a secular faith, it lacks the deism that is essential to any religious practice and is essential to the concept of uh, absolution and uh, penitence in ways that are you know, native to just about every, other, every major religion on this planet. And when you, when you come at this with a, a dim view of religious practice, as Mr. McWhorter perhaps does as an atheist himself, you get the view that religiosity is itself irredeemable. And what I argue in my forthcoming book is that it mimics a secular faith insofar as it is a lifestyle choice and a moral code um, but it is not a religious practice per se. It is aesthetically religious. Its traditions are aesthetically religious, but that is not a religion. Well,
1: I, I think. think they, the, oh, go oh ahead. I was just going to add to that. I think that's right because he does. He's certainly taking a secular person's approach to faith. That that's quite right. I guess the the part of it that's compelling to me is the is the utter uh, unwillingness he has of trying to to shake out of their crazy the people who are taking so much of this anti-racism stuff as a matter of faith. In other words even though evidence is presented to them that their faith might be incompatible with reality, they will not, they are unshakingly firm in their belief that this is the only truth that matters. So I guess in that sense, I find it compelling, but I agree, no, it does sort of, um, it does take a dim view of, of faith in, in religion, religious practice.
2: Okay, Abe, what, what book floated your boat this year? Okay, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going purely for uh, the, the delight that I, I derived from uh, reading this book. Um, Compulsory Games by Robert Aikman. Uh, did not come out this year. It was published in 2018. Aikman was a British writer from the 20th century. He died sometime in the, in the 80s, um, and uh, he's sort of been enjoying a kind of rediscovery. Um, he is often thought of as a horror writer, uh but as someone myself who does not read much horror, if any, and I've read a little bit of Stephen King in the past, but it's not my thing at all. Um, it's clear to me that he is something much different. He, he described his own hes he wrote mostly short stories, and this is a compulsory games, he's a book of short stories. He wrote he wrote a few novels, but he wrote uh, this extraordinary trove of short stories all told. And he called them strange stories, uh, not horror stories. And I think that is a better description. So uh, he sort of, you're never fully sure when you're reading these stories, whether or not you're in the realm of the supernatural or not. Um, Sometimes even after you uh, finish them, he sort of drops you, slips you in, uh, uh, starting with the the mundane and the ordinary and you you, you sort of wind up in in an extraordinary place. Uh, that combined with he has clearly extensive extensive knowledge of the occult Um, so it's a very different version of horror than uh, anything i've encountered before Um, and it's really just exquisite and it also deals with all sorts of aspects of 20th century uh british delhi life from the bureaucracy to the class system a lot of it takes place in the british countryside and whatnot um i just i just love everything about it the mood the 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 sort of sly, toying with reality uh, right before your eyes—it has a, a very um, kind of surreal surreality uh, to all of it, um, wherein the horror lies.
0: I've uh, I've never even heard of this guy, so that's a, that's an exciting exciting recommendation for me. Uh, Noah, you've been uh, reading uh, a book uh, that's actually the first book in a trilogy that I also uh read and uh and and very much admired less so as the as the books went on but um
3: yeah i picked it up actually as a response to something that you had said on the podcast you had referenced it in conversation and it had been sitting on my shelf for a long time and i just figured i would pick it up uh in part because i had resolved uh this year to be the year that i start reading fiction again i hadn't read fiction in a very very long time and i everything i had read this year was part of a professional project related to the book or relating to work. So it was, you know, I was reading for, for work. And I, I love nonfiction and it, but it began to feel like work, which you never want when you're reading books. So I decided to start with some fiction. And I started with perhaps some most difficult fiction that you can reintroduce yourself to the genre with, which is the uh, Liu um, uh Three-Body Problem. And it's basically a a narrative around theoretical physics, which sounds daunting, Um, but I I found myself just consuming this thing. I just inhaled it over the course of like three days. I thought it'd be very difficult. And there's quite a bit of um, suspect Chinese propaganda in there, but nevertheless, uh, I found the narrative to be quite compelling and uh, a fascinating story about how this uh, individual is, is sucked into something akin to a cult in uh around the existence the discovery of a extraterrestrial civilization um near tar star but still about 4.5 light years away um where there are three suns uh orbiting around each other in a very chaotic fashion and the civilization is summarily destroyed uh again and again and again over the course of uh its existence as these bodies get closer together farther apart what have you destroys the civilization on the on the terrestrial bodies orbiting in a chaotic fashion these three planets and the cult builds up around it and it's a, a fascinating narrative but right at the center is this conception of how three celestial bodies interact and orbit in a fashion that is unpredictable um and what that does to a civilization that uh, uh intelligent civilization that sprouts up around this chaotic series of orbital interacting bodies. Uh, so it's a very interesting book and one that you th- that sounds difficult but isn't. So I do recommend it. So there's a lot going on in the three-body problem,
0: which is set up as a, a basically begins in the Cultural Revolution, uh, and then takes on in, in China, and then takes on the story of the uh, of a of a the daughter of a um, of a of a disgraced or you know uh, politically disgraced scientist and her mother and how um, uh, everyone starts going crazy because it appears that elementary physics and mathematics are breaking down, are no longer working. And there is a message to be had in an online video game in which people are playing a video game about this mythical World 4.5 light years away, called Trisolaris, where these three suns interact and start destroying each other and coming back to life. And it turns out that this video game, if I remember correctly, is essentially a message from Trisolaris warning the Earth that the Trisolarans are coming because they need to get the hell out of Trisolaris and save themselves. And the uh, and the description of life on Trisolaris when I started reading it, I started reading it at the beginning of the pandemic and it's a very vivid portrait of quarantine. It's a very vivid portrait of lockdown because um, the idea is that as the sun, one of these suns heats up and heats the the the, the planet up, um, the people have evolutionarily developed the ability to dehydrate their bodies and essentially to flatten Uh, deconstitute themselves become flat two-dimensional hibernating beings um until the atmosphere reconstitutes itself at which point they can rehydrate and emerge again to live a life and um and uh, this seemed to me to be an amazing description (laughs) of what we were going through during the spring and summer of, of of 2020 but this is uh it's a fascinating
3: conceptual work. It is not a good work of character development. There, are all the characters in there are very stilted and one-dimensional, right. and go through no transitions, with the exception of one character, who's essentially a bore, uh, who actually has some redemptive arc. It's only one character, and is a, yes. a, a peripheral yeah. character, but nevertheless, an anyway, interesting inter- interestingly enough, it is being made into a
0: series by the Game of Thrones guys, Benioff and Weiss, and it'll be interesting to see. What they do with it and 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 how it works, but also there's a description in it of what of of a of a of a war in space between an advanced civilization and a less advanced civilization um, that is among the most original that you've ever read. Like what it is that we we as humans can't understand about a wildly advanced civilization coming at us. That may not be in the first book; it may be in the second. You're no one's making a a, a, a strange face, so I I can't remember because there are three of them. The third sure one that's is really almost book, yeah. un- unreadable. But, um, but anyway, that's the three body problem, and it is you know it's interesting because you've all chosen genre works, right? Christine in part chose mysteries, and Abe chose horror, and Noah's chosen science fiction. So, I want to talk to you about. Probably my favorite American writer, although I think his last three or four novels are not the equal of his early work. But I this year, what I read was his memoir. His name is Richard Russo. The book is called Elsewhere, and it is about uh, his um, the memoir, which is an extraordinary American story, is about his too close relationship with his obsessive compulsive mother. Um, He grew up in a town called Gloversville, famous uh, in upstate New York, famous because it was the center of the making of gloves uh, and uh, was a wildly profitable, sort of like uh, adventurous place in the 19th century and then began to collapse and, you know, fade uh, after the Second World War. He had a feckless father, um, a mother who lived with her parents and was clearly, as he realized as time went on. Um, mentally ill in various interesting ways. And then he goes off to college and she follows him to college and lives nearby him. And then he starts making a life for himself and she keeps moving near where he's living. And he basically has to take care of her forever and his very long suffering wife and his children have to deal with this as well. What's interesting about Rousseau's novels is simply probably one of the two or three best novels of the last 50 years, American novels, Nobody's Fool, uh, which is about, probably about his relationship with his father, uh, which is about a kind of no account, uh, 60 year old, seeming loser, uh, living in a town very much like Gloversville, that is, there's a desperate effort to bring about a renaissance after, you know, decades of neglect. um, And how this guy who was a, a working man, laborer, um, finds a measure of peace, solace, and redemption, uh, living this in this incredibly wonderfully detailed, rich, fun pageant of a town. And uh, and is wife, his, uh, Sully uh, is his name, and he was one, one of the great American characters in literature. And then his second, his Pulitzer Prize winning book, which is Empire Falls, uh, which is again about a sort of a town in, in Maine um, Uh, where another very self where a self-sacrificing man who sort of like does anything finds out all kinds of interesting things about his life, his parents, his mother, his father, and the richest woman in town who sort of seems to hold some weird playing him as a cat's paw in his entire life, owning the businesses that he runs and trying to take some measure of revenge against him for things that, he was not involved in, that his parents were involved in. Um, that is a beautiful and glorious book. But Elsewhere by Richard Russo is one of the really best American memoirs I've read in a very, very long time. And if you, you should read that and you should read, no, and, but my main recommendation is to read Nobody's Fool, which as I say is maybe the best, one of the three or four best American novels of my lifetime, as far as I can tell. So these are our recommendations. Again, let's we'll, we'll 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 run them back for you. Christine, you recommend
1: uh, John Le Carre's Silver uh, Yoko Tawada's The Emissary, and John McWhorter's Woke Racism.
2: Abe, Compulsory Games by Robert Aikman. A I, hold on. A I K M A N. Noah. Liu Cixin's
3: Three Body Problem. That's spelled L I U. C i x i n.
0: Yeah, I think if you if you're looking for it, it it's either name depending on how they d- deal with it in in the stores or in Amazon. It could either be Shenzhen Lu or Lu Shin Jin. I don't know, but uh, if you're if you need to uh, index it, and I'm recommending Richard Russo's Elsewhere and also Richard Russo's Nobody's Fool. So that's it for our book recommendations for 2021. Again. I ask you, I plead with you, I importune you to go to commentary.org slash donate and make us part of your end of year giving. We'll be very grateful. And we're going to be back tomorrow with some movie recommendations for 2021. So for Abe, Christina, Noah, I'm John Podhoritz.
2: Keep the candle burning.